and welcome back to The Bigger Issue. I'm Jack Kelly and I'm joined by Ben Blissett. Hello. And Rory Taylor. Hello. How are you both doing? Great. Very Fantastic. Good. It's been 365 days since Rishi Sunak first entered number 10 as Prime Minister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've been loyally tracking ever since. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's what's happened. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't spot the gap. <laughs> no. We said we'd come back for his year review... We stopped doing The Bigger Issue at 100 Days. That Mm. was the original remit. And then we said we come back once it had been a year. It's now been a a year. Yeah. So in today's episode of the TLDR podcast, we're having a Big Rishu crossover. Yeah. The main story today is going to be reviewing Rishi Sunak's first 365 days in office. Like an HR department, just like reviewing how he's doing, like tracking his progress. Will we give him a pay review? Yeah. Probably. Mm. Probably. probably He doesn't need it. Yeah. He doesn't need any more Um, money. But we'll also be discussing underreported stories, as always, and we'll be updating the world leader leaderboard at the end of the episode. So first, let's talk about underreported stories, and let's start with yours, Ben. Yeah, so obviously uh, last week uh, I, I sort of went a little bit further in the UK. This time we're coming right back to the UK. Oh, uh, Sorry, I, I do have a niche. Um, and basically, right before we started recording this podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Shabab Khan from ITV News has suggested that there's a couple of shadow cabinet ministers that have considered uh, resigning over Starmer's handling of the Gaza situation. Ooh. Now, it's, the, the story isn't necessarily just that. It's just the wider ongoing crisis within Labour about their approach to the Israel-Gaza situation. Mm-hmm. You know, in the last few days, um, I think it was 15 Labour, uh, Scotland, uh, I think it was councillors or officers, uh, but but some some senior members within the party resigned over the uh, handling of the, the, the Gaza situation. Mm-hmm. Specifically, they were resigning because they tried to uh, propose a cessation of Israel military action, the establishment of uh, humanitarian corridors and the release of hostages. Uh, but they were blocked by the general secretary um, in the Scottish party mm-hmm. from, uh, from making those motions, saying sure. they're blocking any motions relating to Israel and Gaza. So it's this sort of ongoing tension within the Labour Party as to exactly how to deal with this situation going on. Mm-hmm. If there are ministerial resignations, this could be the biggest um, challenge that Starmer's faced, yeah. probably in his leadership. And, you know, people have been speculating, not least myself, that uh, Labour are going to win the next election. Mm-hmm. You know, they are 20 points ahead. But if they can't keep a grip on the party and if party management starts slipping, yeah. then you could see uh, polling numbers start to decline as well. So that's the big fear for Labour. So it's just trying to keep a hold of this, yeah. trying to keep a hold of party management. So uh, the other report story isn't specifically any one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that um, it's looking like there could be quite a big uh, problem facing Starmer if he doesn't get a hold of this soon. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I guess we'll have to see. Interesting. Rory, what's yours? Well, Ben, you've absolutely done me there. No the exact, way. No <laughs> way. No way. Same underreported story. It's not that underreported, then, is it? If you both showed up I, with um, it. <laughs> I almost always do global wow. ones. Yeah. But I thought I'd do a UK one. Um, so, yeah, I can add a few things, I think. Go on. Okay. Um, so, today, as we record, uh, I think Starmer is meeting with a group of Muslim Labour MPs who have taken issue with the stance he's, he's mm-hmm. taken since the kind of most recent conflict in Gaza broke out. Um, so we'll see how that how that goes. But um, kind of every indication is that they're very unhappy. One, with that statement he made about Israel's right to defend itself and whether Israel could and should cut mm-hmm. off, uh, you know, effectively besiege the Gaza Strip. We covered that in last week's episode. Yeah. Um, but also now this fact that Labour haven't yet called for a ceasefire in um in well ceasefire between uh the israeli military and hamas yeah israel continues to bombard gaza 
Um, it's kind of mirrors this debate that's happening at the UN as well, where the US opposes a ceasefire, but they do support humanitarian pauses, mm -hmm. which is like not a full ceasefire because it's not long term and it's kind of less formal. Yeah. It's just a little window to send some aid in before, you know, mm -hmm. firing can start again. So that's the kind of internal debate going on in Labour. Yeah. Um, I think there was also one other story that I thought was interesting related to this. Amid all this backlash to Starmer, he went and visited an Islamic centre. I think it might have been in Cardiff, but don't quote me on that. Sure. Um, and he did a big post saying, you know, it was great to meet with this community and we discussed this and then I told them this and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the the centre ended up putting out their own statement basically saying they don't agree with Starmer's take and he misrepresented what the actual conversation was mm. at the uh, in his meeting with them, um, which obviously isn't, a, isn't great Not for him. Not great, look, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess for him at the moment. Um, but as I said, there's this meeting going on today. I don't know if he'll come out of that having appeased that mm -hmm. th that group that he's meeting with or if they'll continue to be disappointed by his stance or if yeah. he'll take a stronger stance against Israel or, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But at the moment, it's looking like a bit a bit messy. Okay. Yeah. Double underreported there. Yeah. So underreported. Yeah. It's overreported now. It is. Anything. It kind of is. Yeah. Um, I don't want to hear you talk about it again, no. either of you. We're done with that now. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to the main story of today, and that is Rishi Sunak's first year in office. How is it going for him? It's been a year. It has it been a good year. So I think there's just, there's just quite a lot to dig into here. Sure. I think the thing that everyone has to bear in mind with this is the, the state of things that he took over from. So if we're comparing it to trust, mm -hmm. realistically, it's been an okay year. Okay. Party management's sort of back on track. Um, you know... He's, but I suppose that's probably the most that you can say. To be <laughs> yeah. fair, I mean, look to, to be to be to be blunt, it was a particularly bad situation that he took over from. The economy yeah. was was flagging. It looked like, um, you know, guilt yields were 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 you Not know causing. Yields. I know causing knock on effects to the wider economy. Um, you know, party management is bad. He's broadly got the economy back under control. Mm -hmm. Party management is broadly back under control. Unfortunately for him, though, he's struggling to make, to sort of um, put his mark on, the, uh, you know, his role as prime minister. Sure. He's had some big policies. So obviously there is the um, Northern Ireland Protocol. Yeah. Um, which was sort of praised across the board. Other than that, though, nothing really, nothing massive. He's still fighting to get the economy under control. He's not quite sorted that yet. Mm -hmm. There are still backbenchers who are unhappy with him, and he's still struggling a bit with party management. Yeah. But broadly speaking, if we're comparing him to obviously the trust era in which he came on, it's been an improvement from that. Okay. But if we're comparing him to any other prime minister, he's doing incredibly badly. Rory? Yeah, I think you, really you can only judge it based on the polling because ultimately mm -hmm. the, the real test will be when he comes to an election and if the polling bears out how it is yeah they'll the voters are judging that he's doing a bad job mm -hmm. yeah um, and i think ben's got more data that we'll go into um at some point i think but i remember when we did the 100 day review yeah uh i think i, I skimmed through it just now and I, we were saying things like he's not done anything worse than we expected him to do yeah given the situation he's put into but he's not doing well sure and it's this weird yeah. situation where i i don't know what i i don't think i expected any more from him okay but i also think he's doing badly okay and that's not like a personal judgment on sure, him. i just sure. mean in that in the short yeah. window of time that he has to be prime minister yeah and what he kind of took on yeah i don't know what he could have done as a you know realistically <laughs> mm -hmm. could have done as a conservative prime minister 
that would have really turned things around for him. Ben I think says yeah. that the primary thing he's achieved thus far is achieving better party unity. Yeah. Do you think there's anything else notable that he has achieved? And the Northern Ireland Protocol. And the Northern Ireland Protocol. Windsor Framework. Windsor, sorry. Sorry. Um, yes, Windsor yeah. Framework. Apologies. <laughs> Good work, um, Yeah, I mean, he, he put out a flashy video uh, celebrating his achievements. And he did. It was about... 40-something seconds long, but they did <laughs> yeah. very quick fire through the achievements because okay. they had so many to fit to be in. fair to him. Um, but some of them... So uh, Windsor Framework was in there. Yeah. They mentioned stopping the... Uh, ending the, the teacher strikes was one thing. They mentioned sure. halving inflation is on track by the end of the year, that type of thing. Okay. So, so he has done some things and some mm-hmm. of his goals have been met or are on target. Yeah. Um, but... It was interesting with that that kind of quick fire thing of the things he's he would he has achieved. Mm. Um, I kind of stopped every half a second to look at each one, and some of them were just things that haven't actually happened yet. There was things like banning the XL bully dog, which they haven't actually done. They said they're going yeah. to. They just need to define the breed. So that hasn't happened. I yeah. don't think he can count as an achievement. He yeah. also listed the smoke free generation thing, which was just a policy he announced in a speech that hasn't happened and mm-hmm. may not happen because it's going to be a free vote. Yeah. There was also the uh, new A levels, which was another thing he announced sure. in that speech, but likely won't happen if he's out of office yeah. next year sometime. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think his own list of achievements probably should be shorter than. <laughs> Than it kind of is. Out, yeah. And the fact that it's being bumped, the stuff's being added to make it reach 40 yes. seconds I think, yeah. does does back up the point yeah. that maybe the list isn't They're, all that long. I mean, if you look at legislative achievements, they have yeah. passed some big bills. Okay. Um, I mean, the uh, it's not the Nationality and Borders Act, it's the Illegal, the illegal Migration yeah, Act, migration, yeah. that type of thing. Um, but whether you judge that as a success or not is difficult because, yes, they passed it uh, in the same way that, yes, they passed the Nationality and Borders Act a year or two beforehand. Sure. But... Has it actually worked? Okay. Not really. Yeah. Um, and that's what people care about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it hasn't been, he hasn't done nothing, <laughs> but equally, yeah. the things I do, he's done I do you find it interesting because we've been hiring recently, and yeah. if someone was to come with an application and say, you know, and we ask them, what have you yes. done? And they put on their application, well, I've written a lot of TLDR videos, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. all of this. It's like, we wouldn't, that wouldn't yeah. be acceptable. Well, so I, I plan find, to. Yeah, I plan, I plan to. to. Yeah. I've yeah. announced it's, that I will be. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's not a thing. Um, but no, I, I sort of agree with you. You know, as you say, there have been some big legislative mm. changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be fair, they haven't seemed as sort of quick as like the, John, the Johnson era. Yeah. Again, irrespective of what you think about any of the bills, Johnson had quite a lot of like mass, like um, yeah. police crimes, courts and sentencing, um, nationality and borders, online safety, mm. etc. And they were coming in quite, quite, quite quickly. Whereas yeah. the only real big one I can think of is illegal migration. Yeah, there was also the and that obviously still safety level bill, that type yes. of thing. That I, also, I think one. a lot of the ones that, well, some of the ones that Sunak have done are like carryovers from previous yes. prime ministers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. online safety so, is a good example yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. those are the limited successes. Are there any notable failures of things that he said he would done or ought to have done, do you think? Is there any even area of policy which you think he's under undervalued or not given enough attention to? It's tricky. I mean, the, the, the biggest, most obvious, and I know we've mentioned this, and I suppose we're going to go into this in mm. quite a bit more detail soon, hopefully, but polling is sure. the, the, the big the big failure, mm. obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, he was expected to sort of come back from the, the trust here when she was about 20 points behind and people were hoping that he'd maybe not go into positive numbers, but at least close that gap slightly. Sure. And uh, yeah, he, th- that hasn't happened. Um, legislatively, um, you know, I think most people 
and this is what goes back to what we were saying about expectations. I don't think people had too many expectations because his, his job as prime minister was very much party management and economy. Yeah. They were the two things. Mm. No one expected him to be like a big Blair, you know, coming in with mm -hmm. this massive change agenda. It's very much a trying to fix the problems of the sure. previous prime minister. So, you know, there's nothing, it's all to do with expectation, really. And I don't think anybody expected him to go in and have some big policy area that he should have been sorting out. You know, on the economy, it's definitely got better. It's not perfect yet. And uh, the the uh, forecasts, especially from the Institute of Government, expect that things like inflation and growth will be a lot better towards the, you know, the latter half of next year. So he's certainly on track to, to, mm -hmm. to improve those. Um, but as I say, I don't think there's many um, areas in which, you know, I was expecting him to go in to improve it, and he mm -hmm. hasn't, because I was sort of mainly expecting party management in the economy. Just one other thing as well. Um, so obviously we spoke earlier, just we touched on the Windsor framework, which sure. was obviously seen uh, sort of cross-party uh, as a success. But one of the failures in that mm -hmm. is that uh, power sharing in Northern Ireland, still not, yes. still not happening. Um, so that yeah, there's a major the, difficulty. So that that is something that he hasn't resolved uh, yet. So if we're talking about things that he probably could and mm -hmm. should have uh, paid more attention to yeah. or tried to fix, I think that's a, mm. a sort of glaring one. Could you also make the argument for migration? It's something he's put at the centre of his agenda. It's an issue which is yeah. very important to the voting base for the Conservatives. And yet numbers are still heading in the wrong direction from their perspective. Numbers are still yeah. getting higher. Well, I don't think the electorate are satisfied on that. I think it's a, it's a difficult one for him because he faces the same challenges that his predecessors did on that. Yeah, mm. I think at this point, the number of channel crossings this year is lower than the same okay. period last year. But his pledge was to stop the boats, which kind of implies completely stopping None. them. So yeah. I guess he's not on track to do that. Yeah. But like with previous prime ministers, his plans are just caught up in legal battles because yeah. the government is it's kind of is taking this approach where they're going right up to the line or beyond the line of yeah. legality in their approach to, to trying to stop the boats, that any plan they have is not going to come into force until it goes through the courts or until mm -hmm. those challenges are made and settled. Um, so he's still at a point where no planes have gone to Rwanda yeah. and, he's, and there's talk about them scheduling another one for next year, but ultimately the Supreme Court will decide whether or not that, yeah. that is legal or not. Um, it's, it's this strange thing where he made stopping the boats and migration this big part of his five priorities mm -hmm. but hasn't really been able to do much okay um there's been there was a debate in parliament the other day where uh labor was saying yes the numbers are slightly down the last year but that's because of the weather conditions and then yeah. the government was saying actually no the weather conditions were worse this year blah 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 so so there's all these debates going on about that sure. kind of thing but ultimately it's still a challenge for the government yeah. and their kind of flagship policies haven't actually taken off at all anything else um, we don't if not then no no we look at okay. on that so that's kind of the good and bad of it from a policy perspective and from a political perspective when we're looking at the real kind of like nuts and bolts of it. Mm. But as you've alluded to already, Ben, and as is kind of obvious, what really matters is how this reflects on the electorate and how the electorate responds to it. So it's a mixed bag at best when it comes to his performance. He's maybe met expectations. He's maybe fallen short of them when it comes to a political perspective. But what does the electorate think? Are they impressed by his first year or not? Um, again, I'll start with a very blunt answer and then explain. No, okay. no is the <laughs> okay. answer. They, they're not. They're not impressed. So um, just so we'll start of, of like with um, voting intention. Mm -hmm. um, so when trust when trust was in, 
uh, it was sorry. Sorry. At the end of we'll start at the end of Boris Johnson's tenure. At the end of Boris Johnson's tenure, polling suggested that uh, only about fifty percent um, to about fifty-five percent of those who voted Tory in twenty nineteen would still vote Tory. So they've lost basically half of their votes. Yeah. So that was quite high. About twenty percent of those said that they were going to vote for a different party, and about twenty percent said of those that left uh, that they they uh, they don't know who they're going to vote for yet. Okay. That dipped to forty percent mm-hmm. um, under Liz Truss. I mean, it in, both of those other numbers of, you know, voting for other parties and uh, don't knows both increased to about 27%. So that okay. went up. Richie Sunak's managed to keep the number of uh, people saying they don't know who they're going to vote for below 25% now. So it's, okay. it's decreased slightly. Um, but, you know, it, it's still it's still suggesting that only about 27% of Tory voters uh, from 2019 said that they'd vote for the for the Tories again. It's it's not it's really okay. it's really not looking good. So he hasn't swung the pendulum in a way that's like no. Thank goodness we've got rid of Liz Truss. We can now mm. go back to the Tories. And one of the interesting things is is where people are going. So under okay. Liz Truss and Boris Johnson, quite a lot of them were going to the Lib Dems and Labour. But now 10% of people who said they'd voted Tory in 2019 mm-hmm. are saying they'd vote for Reform UK. Yes. Now. You know, when you're looking at um, constituencies and swing constituencies, that could make a difference. It that, would have made is, a difference in both by-elections. It would have made a difference in both by-elections, exactly. So uh, on that, that's not great. When we're talking about Rishi Sunak's sort of personal, mm-hmm. uh, people, how they see him, it's really bad. Genuinely, <laughs> okay. if you think that's bad, it, yeah. it, it only gets worse. So all of these things that I'm just going to read out, um, the first number I'm going to give you is uh, when he first became prime minister. Mm-hmm. And the second number is now. Okay. Um, so how things have changed. So all of these are, are, are the, the net values. So when asked about how uh, you know how he's dealing uh, with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, last year it was uh, plus 3%. So overall, people thought he was dealing positively. Mm-hmm. It's now minus 17. Oh, okay. uh, Defence... Uh, was minus 4%. It's now minus 26%. Mm-hmm. Um, managing the economy, it was plus 14%. It's now minus 31%. Uh, law and order yeah. was minus 12%. It's now uh, minus 36%. Education was minus 18%. It's now minus 37%. You know, it, it, it goes up. I mean, one of the, the, the worst takeaways here, so... Um, you know, in terms of uh, policy focuses, we'll, we'll go with the, th- the main mm-hmm. three that people are concerned about. Yeah. So the economy. So last year, so the, the, the phrasing is the cost of living, but yeah. um, uh, cost of living. Um, it, last year was minus 11 percent. Uh, it's now minus 49 percent. Wow. Uh, so the second most important issue to voters, I believe, is the NHS. Is that Probably. Plausible. I think yeah. it is. Uh, so it was minus 25 percent. It's now minus fi- uh, 51 percent. And then immigration as well. Uh, minus 29 percent it's now minus 58 percent you know people since he's become prime minister yeah. people think he's a lot mm. less competent in major policy areas yeah um, and this is reflected in, in other polling as well you know labor ahead on trust on the economy in the yeah. economy which is unprecedented labor never uh, and especially immigration former and asylum. chancellor yeah yeah mm. and and immigration and asylum yeah something that the tories seem to think that that's their policy area yeah. and they're behind on that as well you know and since he's become prime minister, I think obviously you're put under the spotlight a lot more. And I think he was really helped in, um, you know, the COVID era. He was that he was mm-hmm. a nice chancellor giving away lots of money to lots yeah. of people. And he fostered this image of economic competence mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, someone that, that is legislatively competent as well. Yeah. Um, but since he's become prime minister, I think attitudes have changed, which is why you see these massive yes. change in, um, you know, these huge numbers um, um, uh, in terms of. I yeah, suppose probably. even in his role as Chancellor originally under Boris Johnson, he kind of emerged from being off the radar for a majority mm. of people to suddenly being in number 11, 
where he was able to just seem kind of broadly competent, especially kind of next to the chaos of late era Johnson. He seemed like a stable pair mm-hmm. of hands. He then obviously lost against Liz Truss, but then relatively quickly bounced back. It's like, you can see why the public broadly had confidence in him and probably also didn't know that much about him. And now, as you say, being put under the spotlight, yeah. rightly or wrongly exposes him to a bunch more scrutiny. I think when we get to an actual election campaign, we haven't seen him in election mode, no. really. So that could, I guess there's a world in which that could save him. But realistically, that could really yeah. even hurt him a lot more because he, he doesn't yeah. he hasn't demonstrated an ability yeah. to to like hit Labour where it hurts and kind of boost his own support. Yeah. Because on things like immigration, that they thought that was how they can beat Labour, but... I'd say we, like we, we've got limited um, uh, evidence so far of what he's like in a campaign period, but the evidence we do have isn't particularly good. Whenever he's on radio talk shows mm-hmm. uh, and someone calls in, he sometimes comes across as like a bit bored. He does eye rolls. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he's not great at interacting with members of the public when they're criticising him. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that's broadly true with journalists as well. Sometimes he, they can get under his skin, mm-hmm. and I think that in a long bruising campaign period, yeah. um, you know, which next year is almost certainly going to be. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, I mean, he didn't even win either of the yeah. leadership campaigns, no. really. I mean, yeah. he won the second one by default, but the first one he didn't. Like. No, exactly. Mm. Um, so no, I think he's. I think he is going to struggle. I, I really do. There was an interesting article in the Financial Times, I think, by Stephen Bush about Sunak's. Sunak keeps coming up with political uh, approaches to dealing with his problems mm-hmm. rather than policy ones. So. Okay. Over the last year or so, I, I don't know the actual numbers, but you know, there's been reshuffles. They've replaced the Conservative Party chair. There's been all sorts of things, different, uh, you know, pledges and announcements and things. But fundamentally, the issues are that people still feel burdened by the cost of living. The mm-hmm. NHS still isn't performing as it should be. Um, I don't know. Other public services are struggling. Just on every metric, things up. People don't see the country as functioning, yeah. um, and you can't just keep doing your kind of Westminster political mm-hmm. response to that. You've got to like turn those things around to actually get people to think, yeah, maybe yes. you're doing a good job. But he hasn't done that so far and there isn't really time for him to do that mm-hmm. over the next year if we assume that's when the, ne- the election will be. Yeah. So not great. No. Yeah. It's the TLDR. Yeah, I think it's been... I, I think if, we, we're giving a, if I'm giving a very short summary, it's just that um, he's doing better than his predecessor, yeah. but very... Badly, if you compare him to literally any other prime minister. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Brutal. Let's see if any other world leader (laughs) is doing better or worse as we head to the world leader leaderboard. Great. Play the song. Bring in the board. Bring on the board. Okay. So three more winners, three more losers. Uh, potentially new people entering the wall, potentially people moving. Whoa. The one notable thing for video viewers, because audio viewers are confused during the segment anyway, so just don't worry. You just continue to be confused. The, we have added a new middle row because there were complaints that there wasn't a neutral and that you would immediately go from slightly good to slightly bad, which doesn't necessarily feel fair. So we've added a new middle row. No one can be added to the middle row. No one can enter the wall in a neutral. You still have to enter slightly good or slightly bad. But if you get pushed from there, you're being pushed into the neutral yeah. zone. Hopefully we'll clear change. up that very yeah. busy, slightly bad section. Hopefully a little bit. We'll see. Um, let's start with... Do you want to start with good or bad people of the week? I think we usually start with bad so we end on a high. Let's start yeah. with bad. Let's start with Rory. Oh, okay. 
Uh, mine is someone who I'm shocked isn't on the board already. Uh, Donald J. Trump, oh. former US president. Uh, so he's going to have to be fit on there somewhere Just in this like, bad section. Yeah. Um, he's having a bad week because despite still being a Republican frontrunner, he uh, obviously, we all know he's got a lot of legal problems at the moment, but in the last week or so, a lot of his former lawyers, aides, associates and so on have started flipping and taking plea deals, meaning they are kind of getting a lighter sentence but and cooperating with yeah. prosecutors, which ultimately is bad for Trump because it means that the prosecutor's kind of picking off his outer circle and maybe yeah. an inner circle to the point where they can really nail him, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's not looking good for him on that front. No. Not superb. Um, ben, who's your loser of the week? Well, they're already on there. They're moving down. Um, it's Kiss Dharma. Whoa. Whoa. I think I moved him up last week. So I'm no, clear. you moved him down last week. So he was up there with, uh, he was with up Joe. Oh, Biden. Well. You're desperate to drag him down. Um, yeah. It's because of the underreported story, you know, his... Yeah, uh, and now it's been reported. I think you moved him down for that exact reason last week well, it's as well. has gotten worse yeah. since then, so yeah, no, I think I'm, 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 I'm justifying it on that basis. But yeah, He's, I, he, we got, I got some criticism for that last week as well, because the podcast went out on the days of by-elections, mm. and uh, the podcast oh, went out, yeah. he won two by-elections with the biggest swing yeah. in post-war history... Uh, and I moved him down one. And you're still doing it again. And you're not I'm doing it again. Yeah. You There's no by-elections this week. You so could put him up, for, but, no, but no one ever got the opportunity to push him up from the by-elections. By-elections are within the last week, though. That is true. You could push him up again for by-elections now if you want to redeem yourself. Uh, no, I don't. Okay, well, spoiler. This is, yeah, it's probably. interesting. Um, he, I think you also moved him right up to the top, but he has had... He's, he's, he's had the, the most movement. And now he's heading down, but... He's still in positive. Oh, yeah, he's doing better than you know? a lot of other people. Um... I'm moving someone down not because of their performance this week, especially it just felt like it had to be done for this episode. Mm -hmm. Rishi Sunak has had a bad year. Rishi Sunak is moving yeah, down one. Fair. It's just it, it had to be. We couldn't end this episode. We couldn't we have just... spent the whole time having a go at him and then leaving exactly. him there. No particular thing, but I feel like that ought to be reflected on the board. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Rory, who's your person going up this week? Um... I think Ben and I have the same person. Okay. We do. Uh, somehow we've doubled up on underreported and This is unbelievable. People. I know. You're just sharing work to avoid. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so they you... jump straight to the, the hallowed King Charles and Vladimir Putin. I think it? that is how it works. Yeah, it is. Um, Boom. So it's the Prime Minister of Sweden, Ulf Christensen, yeah. who uh, he's going up because Turkey or President Erdogan of Turkey has finally submitted the mm -hmm. Swedish NATO application to the Turkish Parliament for ratification. It hasn't officially gone through. There's still other barriers. Hungary's got to do the same. But it is probably the biggest step towards Sweden joining NATO that we've had in quite a while after mm -hmm. a long delay. So that's good for him because, well, they're finally getting it done. Yeah. Um, he's had a difficult time effectively since becoming prime minister. There's lots of, lots of difficulties, including recently this big crime wave. Mm -hmm. But this is a bit of good news for him. Nice. Yeah. Ben, same reason? Exactly the same reason. It's to do with uh, he's getting closer to being NATO passing. Yeah. He's getting cl closer to Papa Biden at the top of the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Once he joins, he'll be up there. That's Oh, he probably yeah. will be, to be fair. He's going to get bumped by at least one person, realistically, when they do join. Probably mm. another double. Imagine if he he's pops off, off the top the board, of the board. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am choosing someone that big TLDR EU fans will be very familiar with. Um, it is uh, Sarah Wagenknecht. Oh. Did you have a pronunciation guide uh, No, and I think I actually said it wrong. I think it's necked. I think I put too much emphasis in the kn. Okay. Um, I have notes. Um, but essentially... Did you write the notes? I wrote the notes. Yeah, yeah, I wrote the okay. notes. Who do you think wrote the notes? Zach. 
Zach didn't write the notes. Okay. Zach doesn't write notes for himself. He writes the notes in the podcast. That's, That's true. Yeah. So true. Um, if you don't know who she is, she's a prominent left-wing politician in Germany. Very vocal, very popular. Um, she was formerly a member of Die Linke, which is the left-wing party, not the mainstream left-wing party, but one of the left-wing parties, a fairly prominent one. Anyway, she left Die Linke recently and announced on Monday that she's starting her own party. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons, but primarily because her new party is likely to pull votes away from AFD, despite AFD being a fairly right-wing party, because both sides, despite being left and right, are broadly anti-immigration and actually tonally are relatively similar. Their ways they react to these things aren't necessarily identical, but the kind of protest vote that both sides could potentially pick up could see them pulling away some of the AFD's support, who, by the way, are sitting at 22% mm. at the moment, which mm. is kind of crazy. Anyway, I thought it was fun that the um, the new party she's forming is called the Sarawagenknecht Coalition, or BSW in German, um, which means it's the first German party in the post-war era to be built around a single figurehead. And also got to be one of few in Europe where it's named, named after, after someone. Yeah. Like, what's the succession have- plan there? Yeah. I guess you just change what BSW stands to for something else, I have you just a make very it up. Weird, very odd tr- bit of trivia here, but there's a there's a party in Montenegro mm. that's named <laughs> after the two leaders and it's ah. called like I think his name's Dritan and there's another one, but I can't remember his name and it ends in an exclamation mark. Oh, I like that. It's very Balkan politics. I don't think exclamation mark mark in. Yeah. Anyway, two other things quickly to note. Sorry, I've got I've got notes, so I'm actually trying today. <laughs> yeah, um, what else has Zach said? Zach didn't say any of this. Um, poll, the only poll that the only major poll that's been conducted thus far is by Build, and that found that 27% of voters would consider voting for this new party, even though they essentially know nothing about the policy platform, um, which is obviously good news for her. Hence, I'm moving up on the wall. Yeah. Um, and it's also very bad news for her own party because it's likely that with members defecting, they will fall below the necessary minimum mm. to qualify as a party, and they'll be reclassified as just a group and not. A party wow. in which case they get fewer rights and fewer accesses and stuff like that which is very bad for her old colleagues which is probably why they're all sh- jumping ship and joining yeah. her on the wall wow it's a good one well thank you that's very interesting you're welcome um that was and thank you zach the it wasn't zach that was the political world leader league table um we'll be back again next week for more people on the wall, more news more underreported stories or maybe even just story yeah um and yeah we'll see you then yeah goodbye goodbye Bye-bye.